What's up, sacrificial lambs? You're listening to that. <laughs> You're listening to that Slayer show. <laughs> My name is Kate Schroeder. I'm Madeline. This is season two, episode four, Inca Mummy Girl, and we're watching it through the theme of sacrifice. Wow. I am excited to discuss this episode. What I'm really interested in with our theme is how sacrifice looks different when sacrifices we make are something we signed up for or something that we're forced to do or maybe that we are the object of. So this episode, we will get into the meat of that question, then talk about what we liked and disliked. Then at the end, Keita and I will both explain what we think Sven's backstory is and why he decided to do the foreign exchange program. So stay tuned. But first, the one minute recap. Allow me to count you in. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so they're at the museum and there is an Inca mummy princess exhibit. And it turns out that she was forced to be sacrificed by the Inca mum, Inca people like 500 years ago. Right. And then the next day at school, Buffy's like trying to go to the dance and Giles is like, no, always. And then uh, it turns out this boy was missing. Who was at the museum with them? Right, because he broke the protective seal that was on the mummy and that let her out. And then she like forced the, uh, she like kissed Rodney, the kid that went missing and forced the life force out of him into her so she could be young again and then and beautiful. there's right there's exchange students coming and staying with the <laughs> students and this boy's supposed to stay with uh, Buffy and his name is Impata and then the mummy assumes the identity of Impata and kills Impata also and then like goes to school with Buffy at Sunnydale right and then Xander's like all in love with her and they're gonna go to the dance together there's a world culture dance right and then um, Buffy or Giles or fuck Xander and Impata who's actually the mummy girl go to the dance together right and then Giles and Buffy are like shit Impata is the mummy girl um, also we meet Oz and he's great Right, and then they like the mommy tries to kill Willow, and then she doesn't, and then she's dead. Wow, actually, kind of a lot happened in this episode. I thought it would be more straightforward to recap. It it wasn't. Oh, you know, we forgot the um. Okay, I think we forgot because he turned out to be almost completely unimportant to the plot. The bodyguard. The bodyguard. Right. Um. Also, for people who care, he played the guy who played the bodyguard was Billy Black in Twilight. That's. What- familiar right so he was uh the bodyguard who actually ended up not being a bodyguard but actually wanting to kill the mummy slash protect civilians or keep the mummy in the mummy's place in the tomb yeah right which is why he needed the seal he needed the seal and there were so many untied ends that we really can't say why (laughs) the seal kept her in and why he was suddenly around why well, that's my biggest like, where question. did he come from where did he come from where did he go something 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 joe you don't know the lyrics cotton eye joe yeah where did you come from cotton eye joe have you not seen new girl <laughs> okay not enough clearly also this was mentioned but i just i just really want to circle back to the fact that we do in fact meet oz wow is who- he gonna be important <laughs> we never see him again <laughs> so he is the guitarist for the band Dingo's Ate My Baby. Amazing band name. All right, Keita, Sacrifice. Tell me about where you saw Sacrifice in the episode. So I got really excited, as I often do, when the theme appeared as a word in the episode. Several times, of course, regarding the Inkamami Girl, but Buffy, mimicking Giles, says, I know, I know, slaying entails certain sacrifices... And I think that relates 
really well to this question I was asking, which is, you know, what is it like when the sacrifices that are asked of us weren't things we signed up for? So Buffy, you know, we've talked about this didn't sign up to be the Slayer, but she's still having to make all these sacrifices. And yet I find that she bears her cross pretty well and without a lot of complaining generally. It also begs the question, for both the Inca mummy girl, can we just call her Empata? Yeah. Both Empata and Buffy, they were both chosen. She's also embodying her role in a somewhat voluntary way. I guess that's what I what I wonder, like, how much choice does she have in this sacrifice? Like, is she, is it a self-sacrifice or is it like, is it even sacrifice if she's being told to do this thing and she's dragging her feet it almost feels like sacrifice is something that you do willingly what do you think Ooh, that's a great question she's dragging her feet but at the end of the day she does skip going to the dance and she does sacrifice these parts of her life you know she sacrifices her normal life and although she didn't choose it maybe there is a, a choicefulness in you know she is the slayer but she could totally ignore her slaying duties she could right like that's in theory an option and she's tried to do it before and it i think that did show that it was possible it seems like both she and ampada have sacrificed a normal life ampada's sacrifice feels more violent what i gathered when she was when they were talking about it in the museum it sounded like she was chosen and then forced to be a sacrifice but then when she was talking about it with Buffy it sounded like she felt like she had a duty to her people almost like a voluntold situation right you're being chosen that's an honor and then the expectation is that she needs to follow through and give up her life the way that that seems really different from Buffy is that she doesn't have a choice She would have to sacrifice her normal life, you know, say dating Xander or something or being just a normal girl because these things that she has to do to look like a normal person are so egregious and really visible. You know, whereas Buffy could just, you know, not be a slayer and she wouldn't have to then kill people. If she chose not to act out her slayer duties, not sacrifice her life as a normal girl... There is this sense that maybe other people would pick up the slack. It makes it feel more like a willing sacrifice instead of being sacrificed, which is what Empata was. So like for Empata, she was the object that was being sacrificed, whereas Buffy is choosing to sacrifice, you know, a normal, like being a normal girl life, Mm -hmm. which is very different. And Buffy's example feels a lot more empowering for Buffy because she's making the choice and doing actions that save other people. Okay, that dovetails pretty well into something at the end of the episode. It's a short moment, but it bothered me a little bit. So Buffy and Xander are talking about the similarities maybe between her and Ampata. And Buffy is, I think, having some sympathy with her. You know, talking about doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And they're suggesting, you know, Apata's doing the wrong thing by sucking the life out of these people. And I can't remember what Buffy's comment was, but Xander's response is, oh, but you you did do the right thing. You gave your life. And, you know, Buffy says something sweet about how Xander was there to, like, bring her back or whatever. 
but I found this moment a little a little disturbing. Like I don't want the right thing for Buffy to do to be her sacrificing her life, you know? I just want there to be another option. I don't want someone who unwillingly was given an obligation for the right thing for that person to do to be to die. It's a lot to ask and it's a lot for your friend to imply. When Xander says that, it's implying that anything less than giving her life would have been the wrong the thing. wrong thing. Yeah, I was a little also bothered by the the gendered aspect of it, right? Women are so often expected to sacrifice so much in motherhood and there's a constant giving away <laughs> that is seemingly expected of women and I just wondered you know, if that somehow plays a role. The Slayers seem to always be women. It is a very empowering thing, but there is also this expectation of constant sacrifice. That's interesting because when I think of traditional sacrifice, especially sacrificing your life, that feels very male. You know, the whole sentiment of giving your life for your country or like Jesus dying on the cross, you know, like and it's very noble like in movies and shows and stuff it's always expected that the man if there's a man and a woman the man should sacrifice himself right but they're both making sacrifices and i think you said something really interesting you said it's noble and i think that's kind of the difference like the male sacrifice is noble whereas right. the female sacrifice is expected is expected you're so freaking right <laughs> you you said the noble thing which was very helpful <laughs> Yeah, it's really beautiful and poetic when a man sacrifices himself. And when a woman doesn't sacrifice herself, it's like, what are you doing? How are you are a bad mother. You are a bad slayer. How did you feel about the end of the episode when Xander sacrifices himself to save Will? <laughs> I thought that the whole relationship between Xander and Empata was a little overblown. They knew each other for two days. Dude, I know. And then it was like, we're in love. It just didn't feel very noble. It also didn't feel like he was acting out of love for Willow. It felt more like he was saving Willow because she was his friend, his best friend. But he was sacrificing himself to Ampata because he was like, gosh, well, I love you and you're a, zo- and you're a mummy. So I guess I might as well die Okay, I saw it a little differently. I thought that he was just really convinced that she wouldn't kill him. You know, there was this moment in season one when Angel is going to, with the episode with Darla and Angel's going to kill Buffy and she's like, fine, kill me. And she like knows he won't do it. And it seemed like that was happening and Xander just miscalculated. (laughs) And then she was like, okay, I will kill you. Um, And then Buffy had to save the day. Consensus. Xander's sacrifice. (laughs) Not super convincing. Got it. (laughs) Not super convincing, but I worry, you know, I worry that we almost just contradicted ourselves because, Uh you know, with the gendered part, thinking it's really noble. I don't know what made it not noble. But here's the thing. I also don't think it was expected. Like, I didn't need Xander's action there to be sacrificing himself. That was silly is what it It was. was There was him and Willow and this super brittle mummy girl, you know, and Buffy was about to come out of that tomb. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. Madeline, what did you enjoy in this episode? So I liked finding a small little parallel between Xander and Cordelia in this episode. Say more. 
Okay, so you might have noticed <laughs> when Xander first tries to communicate with Empata, he just talks really loudly and in small sentences, thinking that that is how you communicate with people from other countries, I suppose, and that like speaking louder is better. Common faux pas. Yeah. <laughs> and Cordelia did the same thing with Sven. She was like, Momento, Nita. Like, he doesn't speak Spanish. You know, just like a, a total lack of acknowledgement of the culture or language. So I was seeing them dealing with the, with the exchange students similarly. And then also there was this conversation between Willow and Xander where Willow is talking about her costume. And she's like, I worked really hard on my costume. It's pretty cool. And Xander says, okay, but what about me? And it really reminded me of Cordelia in season one, you know, when she runs into the library and she's like, me, 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 it's all about me. Anyway, I was just like, oh, maybe Xander and Cordelia are actually really similar in some ways. And I hadn't really ever appreciated that before. Oh, very nice. I love that. What about you? What did you like? Like you mentioned, there's a lot of discussion of Willow and her unrequited feelings for Xander. And Xander's like, no, you're a friend. Um... And, you know, Buffy and Will have this talk about, oh, Willow's like, I could, you know, just wait for Xander to go through all these other women and still, you know, never appreciate me or I could get over him. And Buffy's like, great choice. And Willow's like, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I love that. Which is like, you know, a situation meant, I'm sure we've all been in. Absolutely. I did like the moment when Willow was like, no, Xander, you go alone with Empata you know like I don't need to be there I'll see you there and I I didn't like it because it was something nice she was doing for Xander I think it was something nice she was doing for herself right yeah I love that you're so right it was an act of self-care and self-love for her to say no to Xander I do have um one more like oh sure and it's Oz (laughs) (laughs) so we meet Oz for the first time and there is this scene that's really heartwarming and sometimes heartwarming things are off-putting because they're unrealistic or just like too feel good but I, I just did enjoy the first time that Oz sees Willow oh and he's just like who is that girl and what's really what is cute about it is that, you know, she's there and she's feeling a little self-conscious maybe about her costume. You know, she's feeling not very sexy. Cordelia kind of makes her feel bad. And then also she's aware that Empata is looking really beautiful. And it's really sweet when someone notices you for being who you are and it likes what they see, you know? Yeah. You know, she wasn't, she was just being herself. She was really excited about her costume and Oz was into it. I found that really cute. Well, it's great because we all just want to be liked for, you know, who we are without having to pretend or adhere to anything else. I love those little moments that make me think, you know, just being myself will be enough. Right. (laughs) That sounded as though I never think that. I realize after I say it. I feel you, though. (laughs) I was, okay, can I just say, I was confused about the relationship of the band to the school and why all. First of all, why they were like unpacking their stuff in the school parking lot when they were going to play at the bronze. Wait, were they unpacking it or packing it up? Oh, were they packing it up? Oh, were they a school band? Well, because why did Oz think the lead singer would know who Willow is? 
yeah i don't know about that okay but because <laughs> he, he wasn't like wow who's that girl he was like no dude who's that girl <laughs> like right what is the bronze is a, an overarching question too like why are there so many teens and why do they have live music every night every night and why do these teens get to drink and uh, i've drinking asked someone and they know. study there oh yeah <laughs> it's like what is the bronze the students just run that town all right kid to tell me what you disliked I was a little bummed to see Willow acting so much like Xander this episode. When Ampata comes over and Willow's like, oh, we thought you would be more like a boy, but you're a lot like a girl. (laughs) It's like, come on, Willow. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I thought it was similar to Xander, but way toned down to an appropriate level. That's true. It was perhaps an appropriate amount of suspicion. And also, she wasn't ever mean to Empata. We see her looking forlornly off as Xander and Empata leave without her. Oh, from the you library. Know, you're right. I like that extra perspective. Also, um, Cordelia was just a little much this episode for me. I, I have <laughs> to say, I really want to enjoy her with all of her flaws, but I just had a really tough time. Madeline, uh, what didn't you like? There was a lot of discussion around other cultures and other countries this episode so i can start start off the conversation yeah when they're discovering that maybe the mummy has left the tomb because rodney has taken the mummy's place and they have this broken seal the gang i'm talking about the gang then buffy's like hey my foreign exchange student is from south america maybe he can translate the seal (laughs) right or maybe giles says that I think Buffy says it, and then Ampata comes into the room, and Giles is like, can you translate this? And she's like, why are you asking me? And he's like, well, it's uh, um, <clears throat> from your region. Yeah, and I, right, but he, you know, Giles does make a point that it's from a really remote area. He does say that, not to Ampata, but like when he's talking about it with Buffy. So it's like a weird leap to assume that this person, do. so I know that we know that the mummy is from, the Inca civilization and I think they talk about how she was from Peru but do they actually mention that Empata is coming from Peru or do they just say South America I don't know if they specified a country and let's say they did specify a country I don't think that Giles knew that that Empata was from Peru right because Buffy just is like oh you know Empata's from South America Maybe he can translate the seal because at first they think that Empata is going to be a guy because he is a guy before the mummy kills him. Right. (laughs) And Giles is really educated. It just seems really bold (sighs) of him to just once again, this homogenizing of an entire continent. (sighs) Right. Homogenizing of otherness and. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Giles is so educated you know you think that before saying that he'd be like oh where where are you from you know what maybe what language do you speak (laughs) like there are so many questions that can be asked before he can you know before he would reasonably think that she might be able to translate this really old artifact um there are other instances so their whole world culture dance so now we know that it's not okay to dress up as other cultures because it can it can be harmful in cultural appropriation but then here's this whole dance 
that's all about dressing up as other cultures. So I'm just wondering, how do we feel about that? Or like, how do we navigate that? How do we account for the time difference it being from the 90s? I mean, it was definitely equally harmful then as it is now. I mean, I think it's one thing to have like a world culture dance where everyone is representing their own culture right, that right? would be a nice alternative or like little booths where you could learn about other cultures right and maybe you know you have all these exchange students maybe they can wear their yeah like traditional attire from their country right exactly i also you know i wonder there there are all these exchange students there and it's a world culture dance and then these exchange students are watching these american students play act their cultures and as costumes and as stereotypes i gosh i just have to think that it must be pretty offensive to all those students Mm -hmm. they're watching this happen definitely one thing that i do want to include is i mentioned how cordelia said to sven momento nida and i thought it was funny that here's this tall white guy from Scandinavia. And normally when we think of when people are, you know, oftentimes when we see that people are having this need to dumb down their language or simplify their speech to connect with people from other countries, it's often people who they view as less educated. Um, And oftentimes that's linked to darker skin tones. And so the fact that she was doing this to this like tall white guy, I thought was just kind of funny and almost <laughs> like Cordelia didn't get the like racist memo of like how you're supposed to dumb down your speech to like people who look different from you. Right. And it's just kind of funny. Right. Well, it, I think it's, it is because Cordelia was expecting this tall, hot Scandinavian guy and she, this Sven just doesn't live up to her standards. And so she's like, Nah, okay, he must not be able to talk. <laughs> and he must speak Spanish. Right. <laughs> just like, okay. <laughs> right, well, there was, yeah, there were so many instances of that. You know, Zan- like the way Xander talks to Ampata, even after she has demonstrated that she has a very good grasp of English. You know, she speaks it well. She speaks nuanced English. He hears that and he still is like speaking in baby language to her, you know, because she she looks different and he knows she's foreign. All right. So let's uh, get into our backstory. Uh, Madeline, why did Sven decide to be an exchange student? Okay. So here's my theory. Sven is actually a graduate student in a PhD program, an anthropology PhD program in Scandinavia. And he's studying demons. He knows that the Hellmouth is in Sunnydale. He has heard legends of a slayer and his hypothesis is the slayer is located in Sunnydale. And he knows about what age she should be based on when the last slayer died that he, because he's, you know, researched, he's like a thorough, he's doing his thesis on right demons and demon hunting specifically. So he knows that he needs to get into the high school scene so that he can try to figure out who the Slayer is. And so that's why he needs to pose as a high school student in a foreign exchange program. That is why he chose to come to Sunnydale. Ooh. Ooh. What do you think? Maybe. Convincing. Yes. He does look old. He looked really old. You know, the Scandinavians are just so tall. Yeah. Okay, Kato, what do you think? Why is Sven why is Sven doing the foreign exchange program? 
Sven is just super smart and hardworking. He's from a small town in <laughs> Norway. Sweden. Sweden. He's from a small <laughs> fjord town in Sweden. And he just, his dream is to study in the U.S., but it's really expensive. And he is really just out here looking for that green card marriage. He's oh. ready to hitch his wagon up to wh whoever's and he's just so disappointed because cordelia is not the green card marriage for him mm -hmm. so he's really stoked about meeting her friend though because her friend seems super into him her friend is right her friend does seem really into him yeah so he is planting the seeds of a long-term plan he's made he's made a friend he's going to get to know her more over the next two weeks they're going to be pen pals he's going to write her beautiful love letters and then he's going to propose and yes. move to the u.s and go to school i can't promise that he's planning to stay married to her once he gets it but right. i mean who can promise that <laughs> he's after that education right yeah both of ours are education based. I mean, you know how all Scandinavian people are super educated. <laughs> that is it for us this episode. Thank you so much for listening to season two, episode four of That Slayer Show. If you enjoyed this episode, share with your friends and Tinder matches. And leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Our cover art was created by Holly Colvin. And this podcast was inspired by Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at thatslayershow at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at thatslayershow. And like us on Facebook <laughs> at thatslayershow. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Oh. And don't forget to vote for which backstory you liked on Wednesday. On Instagram. Bye for real. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>